since it began in 1995. I would like to introduce to you an exciting and uniquely Irish performance. Riverdance has been seen by over 25 million people throughout 47 countries across six continents and played to a global television audience of over 3 billion. Now, experience Riverdance as never before as we go on a world tour from China well, I've, uh, finally landed here in Guangzhou. to North America arrived in DC yesterday and back again to our hometown of Dublin. Oh, you're at your own man. Here from the producers. I, mean, I did think it had something special, it had great potential. The creative team. I, I actually hated dancing, that's the truth. And of course, the performers. From a young age, I've always felt that, you know, I will be in Riverdance and I will be a lead dancer. As they give you unique behind-the-scenes access Keep it to up. the past present and future of this international phenomenon. This is Riverdance, the podcast. We're like a little I family. I just wasn't happy and I knew things weren't right. Very tired. We're in Cleveland. Oh, came off the phone she says they want you to join the trip and go to China. I was so happy and proud to be part of that. I began dancing when I was four years old. Oh, I'm emotional. And I'm just so honoured to be a part of it. Five, six, seven, eight... Hello, I'm Darren Casey, a dancer with Riverdance since 2008, and I'll be taking you on tour around the world, introducing you to the dancers, directors, producers and personalities of the show across this 10-part podcast series. On this episode, we are down south in Louisiana. It's our 26th anniversary. As Tara Howley takes us on her dancer's diary for some more backstage insights on tour. We're here in Louisiana. Plus, I catch up with lead dancer Lauren Smith. I come from the festival Irish dance tradition. On never giving up and making her river dance dream a reality. Today's quote is keeping it simple. <laughs> First, though, let's hear from Kilfenora's multi-talented musician Tara Howley as she takes us on her river dance tour. I'm a piper, I do concertina, and I do the whistles. It has been a hectic week. We had uh, a five-show weekend. Our tour life, so to speak, would be a little bit different from the dancers in the sense that we don't have to be in for as much drills or um, things like that. But we do have another kind of self-care routine that we have to do um, regarding instruments, especially when here in America, for instance, the temperatures change quite a bit. In Colorado, the altitude was quite high and that does affect pipes and stuff. So in that sense, you have to be very careful with your instruments and how you mine them and stuff that nobody ever thinks about. We have two buses. There is the loud bus and then the quiet bus. I actually much prefer bussing from city to city than from flights for the reason that because I have my instruments and stuff um, it's a lot easier to manage because you just get on the bus and you don't have to worry about you know the flights and maybe not having enough room for your pipes and maybe you know been stopped and having to check them I got stopped every single airport stopped me and had to open the pipes and that's nerve-wracking because they're packed a certain way. On this tour, we are in cities for longer than one or two nights. In Indiana and Louisiana, they had such a welcome view when you walked in. You were like, you gotta say y'all, the y'all is important. Just so, just that warmth. We went into this little coffee shop and I had the Riverdance hoodie on and um, 
this lady uh, who was serving me the coffee, um, she started crying and she said the last time that she saw Riverdance was with her husband and her husband had passed away. And she said there's a number in the show that he loved and it was the the pipe solo. She was like, I, you know, my husband really, really wanted a pipe to play. You know, he, he was dying of cancer and it was very, very sad. I um, came back the next day and I brought the concertina and the pipes into the coffee shop and I played her little tune on that. Things like that are moments you're never, ever, ever going to forget. Like that was just so special to be able to connect with a person I'd never met before and she'd never met me. Indiana, Louisiana and Cedar Falls, you are winning at life. With competitions for places on Riverdance so competitive, it's a gruelling experience for many aspiring and talented dancers who don't make the cut for the show. Newtonard's Lauren Smith has been dancing since she was four and made it her goal to become a dancer in Riverdance. And despite setbacks at the beginning, she never gave up. I come from the festival Irish dance tradition, which if people don't know what that is, it's predominantly based in the north of Ireland in Ulster. It's a very traditional style. A lady called Mrs Mulholland broke away from the commission back in the mid to late 50s. And basically she was a very creative woman, loved to write her own music and stuff. And as everything goes in life, people agreed with it, people disagreed with it. She broke away and started the festival tradition. So she loved writing her own set dances and her own slip jigs in particular as well, which would be a lot slower to maybe what most of the dancing world would be used to today. And because the music is so slow, it allows the dancer to kind of take the audience on a journey, make the audience almost feel something, and you're kind of telling a story when you dance yeah. rather than just getting up there and battering out the steps. Mm-hmm. Our costumes would have been a lot more simple and plain, natural hair, natural makeup we would have wore black tights, no tan or anything. So basically a very natural style. And sure, you know yourself when you're younger, your mum puts you to a dance class and yeah. you don't know that anything else exists no. outside that. So when I was 18, 19, sending off my audition tape for Riverdance, I'd just finished school and I thought, yep, this is it. Come September, I'll be heading off around the world for a few years of Riverdance. I remember lying in bed one morning and my mum knocked on my door and she was like, Lauren, there's a letter here for you. And she brought it in and it had the the Riverdance logo on the front. So basically it just said, thank you very much for your audition tape. We appreciate it. You know, our dance captain has viewed it. And unfortunately, you know, you're not going to be up to standard that is required. So all the best of luck. And that was that. I just lay there in bed thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do for the next year? Like, But it was weird as well. Like, I knew in my heart of hearts I was going to get there. I think that's a message for younger dancers. You know, if you do have a, a goal or a dream in sight, most of the time it's not just going to be a straight road. You're no. just going to have to take <laughs> a longer, <laughs> more difficult direction to get there. At the end of that year, an opportunity came up to audition for the show called Rhythm of the Dance. So I thought, right, okay, I'll go to this and basically just walked in feeling very confident and thankfully on the day the producers just saw something in me and I was able to go on the road with the show almost straight away and toured with them for three and a half years. I actually remember my dancing teacher, God rest her soul at the time, was like, look, 
this show is fantastic, but make sure you just use it as a stepping stone and you get to, you know, river dance what's been your main goal the whole time. And even at the time, looking back now, part of me didn't believe her. You know, she had so much belief in me at the time. Yeah. And she saw the potential I had. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Thank God I came back to try a second time, you know. An opportunity came up with another show in Australia that was going away for nine months and I knew that Riverdance held their audition every July and I said to myself, if I go away to Australia, I'm going to miss this audition. One man who's mentioned time and time again throughout this podcast series and first port of call for anyone starting their Riverdance journey is contracts manager Sean O'Brien. So through a friend of a friend of a friend, we'll not name them, I got the famous Sean O'Brien's email address and I dropped him a a little email just saying, look, I sent off my audition tape a few months ago. I haven't heard anything back. Um, you know, what's the crack, basically. And he got back to me almost straight away and said, Hi, Lauren, thanks for getting in touch. You know, we have you on the database here. We'd advise that you just go with the opportunity in Australia. I just thought, like, I have to speak up for myself here. So I wrote back and I just said, look, I've went away. I've had I've the three years' experience now under my belt. I was naive three years ago. I know what it takes now to get into Riverdance. Please watch my tape. And um, sure enough, then a few days later, he got back to me and said, apologies, um, Brendan Degali has now viewed your video and we'd love to invite you for an audition in July. So just in that moment, if I hadn't spoke up for myself, you have to persist. And from a young age, I've always felt that I will be in Riverdance and I will be a lead dancer. We all say Riverdance is the pinnacle of a dancer's career. It, yeah, it is. So you're on it tour is. the first time around, you're looking around, you're with all these dancers. How did you fit in straight away and deal with life in Riverdance? Well, it was definitely very different. The dancers who were in the show at the time had all been in the show for years. And it was very hard to come into that environment. I must say it took me a few years. Usually what makes you different is what is your strength. Yeah. And it did definitely took me a few years to... Um, to realise that. There was no better way to then become expressive with your art form than to be given the role as female principal dancer. Tell us about that day. It was in 2011. I remember it well because my brother was graduating the exact same day. And basically Sean O'Brien just rang me and told me the the good news that I couldn't believe because I'd only been in the show for a year, year and a half. And, you know, at that time, that was quite early to be given the role. And I actually remember breaking down to my mum, just saying, Mum, I don't know if I'm ready for this, you know. And she was just like, look, you are. Then basically I trained in with Eileen Martin a few weeks later. One of the biggest kind of notes that was coming back to me was that, you know, there's a certain kind of feel that the lead female brings to the show and you know you're just not personifying that at the minute and it was something that was hard for me to understand because in my heart I was going out there and I was emotional every night but whatever it was that I was doing with my face in particular wasn't connecting to the audience the way I wanted it to. Every now and then on the road we all need a shoulder to cry on. That shoulder for Lauren Smith was best friend and lead dancer Jason O'Neill. So I remember it was in Cork and I'll never forget driving home with Jason and I just cried from Cork to Belfast and I was just like it was just so gotten for me you know to feel that I was taking a step backwards you know yeah. and it wasn't out of it wasn't not out of 
not working hard. It was just I wasn't working in the right direction, you know. Yes. I wasn't pushing myself to do anything different, to stand out. So I was just like, Jason, what am I going to do? Like, I, I don't know if I can go back. I don't know if I can do this. I got home, had a total breakdown with my mum. Yeah. Like, mum, I don't know what I'm going to do. You think when you get to the top that the hard work stops, but it literally only gets... <laughs> the hard work know, starts when you get to the top. It literally does only, only start. And uh, my mum, well, just the way we've been brought up, we've been taught to just never walk away from things. Yeah. And she was like, look you know, you'll stick with it and see what the next year at least brings. So fast forward a few months, I was on tour doing trip and then an opportunity arose for me to be lead for the second half of the tour. I was backstage one day and you know what it's like, you like to keep busy on tour. And I started dancing my old festival slip jig. And you know, everyone was kind of backstage and people were like, oh, what's that? show us a bit so I came up with the idea to have a, a mini project and teach all the girls the festival slip jig with the aim of putting a video together and then releasing it and to kind of make it worldwide make yeah. it known worldwide so we did that and as the weeks went by and I was doing different moves and stuff people kept commenting you yourself yeah and we're saying blown away would you not think of like putting some of those moves into your lead and I was kind of, again, doubting myself. I was like, oh, yeah, but, you know, is it what the show wants? Yeah. And then the more I kind of kept, because I was recording myself and the girls all the time. Yeah. Um, and then watching the videos back, I would catch little things and I'd be like, oh, right, okay, okay. So slowly but surely then, I kind of took each of my lead routines and broke them down and started to feed some of the festival aspects of my dancing into the end of the lead so it was it was ironic because going back to my roots and being inspired by my roots started to inspire my lead dancing subconsciously literally from then to now it's all the small things in life and all those wee mini ideas usually develop into big things Mm. it's important to note like that once you get there and once you are kind of comfortable and confident in your performance you have to like, unfortunately, change your mindset again and think, okay, what am I going to do now? You've been in the professional world with Riverdance now for some 10 years. As yeah, come towards the I end know, of it's this crazy. Era of it. You have, to me, one of the most addictive, positive mentalities mm-hmm. I've met on the road. Yeah, you know, tour brings with it a hectic schedule, you know, hectic show schedule. And, you know, we're only human. Like you do wake up some mornings and there are some days when you don't want to do it or when you're tired. So... You do have to tell yourself, look, today is going to be a good day. I'm lucky to be where I am. You know, you've worked so hard to be here and you have to make the most of it. Like, tour in life is too hard to, to be down, you know. Lauren Smith, I was to ask you to look back over your Riverdance career, your dance career. Highlights? Definitely. It's always a highlight. Dancing in Belfast for my family. Yeah, such a poignant moment. Just to put festival on the map has been, yeah, quite an experience, quite a journey. On the next episode of Riverdance the Podcast, we join Jack Quinn. The youngest dancer in the troupe at a strong age of 19. On the tour bus heading to Houston, Texas with mixed emotions in the air. I've just arrived back from what can only be described as an incredible, incredible show from 
from the Hobby Center here in Houston, Texas. Plus, Julian Erskine, executive producer of the show since its very first performance in the Eurovision in 1994, talks to me about producing 20 years of Riverdance. The show is absolutely accessible for anybody. You're under a lot of pressure, on and off the bus, in dance, back on the bus. You couldn't make a living from Irish dance. Such a gamble and no one knew what was going to happen. People go to Riverdance and they come out with a smile on their face. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from and join me next time as Riverdance the Podcast brings you on tour.